exciting. Hey, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Starting a brand new series today, and it's a series uh, called Learning from Roadkill. I know it's a little bit odd, uh, kind of an odd title. Uh, it comes from the mind of an odd man, <laughs> just to be honest. Uh, and I'll explain what we're going to be talking about uh, over the next uh, 11 weeks in this series uh, later on in the message. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 tells us, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Satan is an equal opportunity destroyer. He wants to destroy you. He wants to tear you down. He wants to rip your life apart. He will go to the, he, he will go to the ends of the earth. He will not stop at anything to destroy your life and your walk with Christ. What I loved about Craig's presentation is that he said, even in the midst of bad things, God is working good things for you. It's the story of Joseph, right? You meant evil, but God meant it for good. And even in the times <clears throat> right now where everyone is so, is so scared, so many people, are, I won't say everybody, so many people are scared, so many people are struggling, and they're struggling with faith. They're struggling, you know, we have people that struggle every week. Should I go to church or should I stay home? God is still working, and God will continue to work. And while the church fights amongst itself, God is wanting to work among us. That's, I mean, that's what our last series was all about, right? Unity bringing unity to the races so that we as a church, as a body of Christ, can reach the world. Because whether we like it or not, whether life gets difficult, whether new things come up, I mean, did you see, did you, did, I mean, this year is just crazy, and I, I've told you, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it, I'll say it again, I believe we're living in the very last days of uh, our time before Christ comes back in the rapture, I believe that with all my heart. And this coming week, pray for Texas, man. How many of you in your life remember a time when two hurricanes are going to hit at the same time? These things, I mean, do you, have you seen the pictures of Iowa with that derate, is it derecho? I mean, it's so, it's so uncommon, I can't even pronounce it, which, I mean, that's not the measure of things, but I mean, come on. One thing after the other, that's what the Bible says. When you see all these happening at the same time, look up. But that's when Christ told us we're, we're to redouble our efforts. So during this time, that's what we need to be doing. But don't think that just because you're trying to get by that Satan is going to take a break. He's going to continue to attack. And, and that's what this series is all about. The attacks of Satan on your life to try to tear you down and make you roadkill. Now, it's estimated that over one million animals a day over one million animals a day are killed on the roads and highways of America. Now, let me make a disclaimer, because I know Brian, who is, the, he's the devil in the details, he would bring this up to me. But what about insects, Pastor John? Have you ever, ridden, have you ever driven through Arkansas? Anybody ever driven through Arkansas? Their state bird is the mosquito? Seriously, I drove through a mosquito swarm in Arkansas, and it blocked out the sun. And I killed <clears throat> dozens and dozens and dozens of mosquitoes, which I got cheers for from people. But that million a day takes out 
insects. So insects are not counted in this, okay? Just in case you were wondering. It is actually, roadkill is actually the most common way in America that Americans come in contact, quite literally, with wildlife. It truly is. It's the most common way in America that Americans come in contact with wildlife. And it's actually pretty much a, a new phenomenon in America. It's really only, roadkill has only truly been an issue in America for about the last hundred years. And that makes sense when the automobile was, was, uh, was uh, invented and then it started going faster. And then we started building roads and then highways and then superhighways. When these things happened, animal deaths on the road due to roadkill started climbing and climbing significantly. It was such a problem that when highways were designed and developed, the engineers who designed them took into consideration the animals crossing the road and tried to build the highways in such a way and use the materials. They thought that the hard material would be a deterrent to animals crossing the road. It didn't work. That theory has been proven false. No matter what measures are put into place, and there are, when you start getting into this, there are unbelievable measures that are being put into place. Tunnels are being dug under highways and roadways. Overpasses are being put onto highways. And they're not for human beings, they're for animals. There are some groups, you can't make some of this stuff up, man. There are some groups now, I don't know, maybe MANA has a program to teach animals to read, but there are, there are groups out there, I'm not lying, Lewis, there are groups out there that put signs up for the animals to read, to warn them about crossing the road. I'm not kidding, okay? The more common ones we see are the, are the signs for deer crossing, or for those of you who drive up into uh, Maine, moose crossing, right? There are even places that have signs for turtle crossing. When I was stationed in Kansas at Fort Riley, we used to count the turtles on the road because for some reason, tur that was a great, the, the passage between Manhattan, Kansas and Junction City, Kansas on the way to church was an, a, a great crossing place for turtles. So a lot of efforts are being made to cut this down. There are warning signs. There are animal detection systems that are put in place. You can even buy things for your car or your pickup truck that are, uh, it's deer radar or deer dar or whatever it's called, so that, so that it flashes lights at you when a deer is in the way or in, in view. It's amazing. It's a cottage industry. It's like masks during COVID. Right? Somebody's built a new business. Now, it has become such a problem in America that DPW crews in towns and states have begun to allow, and laws have been passed that be, have begun to allow what is called, what is called roadkill harvesting. Right? Roadkill harvesting, we have it here in Massachusetts. In other words, if you hit it or find it, you can take it home. Hey mom, what's for dinner? Some, 
Some people call this program Meals Under Wheels. <laughs> now, <laughs> some states require you to inform the authorities when you run something over or you find it. Some states and municipalities require you to have a tag so you don't have to go out and shoot your deer. If you have your deer tag, you could take it. Here in Massachusetts, as well as California, go figure, the animal, the animal has to be in season. <laughs> Sorry, you can't take that deer. It's not March. So just leave it there. It, some of this you just can't make up. In Massachusetts, you can take the animal if it's in season and you have a tag, but you have to submit it with 20, within 24 hours to get the animal inspected because they, don't, they want to make sure it's not a diseased animal. And roadkill has unintended consequences as well. When an animal is killed on the road, everything that is inside is now visible on the outside. And that's going to have I know that's kind of, a, kind of a crude illustration, but that is actually going to have something to say as the series goes along. The roadkill is now a danger to other passing motorists. If a deer is dead in the road and you run over it, if, if a semi hit it and then you run over it with your Prius, uh, you're probably not going very far. There are dangers to scavenging animals. In fact, there is what, there is, what is called secondary roadkill, where scavenging animals, such as birds and, and uh, foxes and different animals that eat other dead animals, are now hit on the road while they're dining. It's fair to say that roadkill is a losing proposition for just about everyone involved. We should avoid roadkill at all costs. It can cause damage to your car. There are over a million contact, over a million uh, uh, injury and damage causing collisions just with deer every year. So you want to avoid roadkill at all costs. Now, during this series, we're going to be covering 10 different animals. We're going to be looking at 10 different animals. We're going to be looking at, and, and these are the 10 most popular. Now, I will say this, okay? I was debating whether or not to say this. Um, I'm not going to be talking about dogs and cats because those are domesticated animals and it might bring back trauma, okay? But these are the 10 what is considered wildlife animals that make most lists. Okay, we're going to be talking about the skunk, snake, the armadillo, which I'm sure being from south you see. Uh, the, did you know the armadillo is actually the number one roadkill animal in, the, in America now? Number one. It wasn't even native to America and now it's the number one roadkill animal because it just keeps migrating north. I'm telling you man, you're going to find out some really amazing facts and be good at roadkill jeopardy when this is over. We're going to be talking about the squirrel, the deer, birds. Yes, birds make the list. Can you believe that? They have the ability to fly, but I'm not going to give the sermon away yet. Possum, turtles, raccoons, 
and frogs. So those are the 10 animals we're gonna be talking about. We're not just gonna be talking about these animals. We're gonna be making spiritual, personal, spiritual applications from them as well as just, uh, as well. And because just like animals that get hit on the highway are roadkill, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ become roadkill. They get hit by life. They get run over by life. They're not, awa they're not aware, they're not awake enough, and they're not ready enough for the attack that Satan brings their way. And life hits them, circumstances hit them, and lay them low. So what we're going to be doing, while, it, while it's a light topic and kind of a cute topic talking about roadkill and dead animals, although dead animals aren't cute, don't get mad at me, okay? They're not cute. But it's a light topic. We're actually going to be digging into this and bringing out some deep spiritual truths about our lives. Because right now, we have many of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are spiritual roadkill. Let me share with you some statistics that um, bear out what I'm saying. Every year in America, over 3,000 churches close. That has been the statistic for a number of years now. About 3,000 churches a year close. <laughs> Some of them close because uh, of church splits and one uh, unfortunately took the people with the money and the other was left with all the bills and some split because the congregation grew too old and the congregation literally began dying off and they couldn't make it. Some of them, they split because people have to move uh, or, or they die because people have to move. But there's many different reasons why churches close down. But this year, it's estimated that this year in 2020, because of, directly because of COVID-19, it's estimated that about 8,800 churches in America will shut down. 8,800. In fact, church growth experts say that the small churches are really, uh, their hope for survival is very slim, but the larger churches will be able to survive because people will be, eventually go back to them. Every year in America, 33% of Christian marriages will end in divorce. That number is estimated to go even higher this year. There, are, there is no projected statistics, but the number, of Christian, uh, the number of divorces in Christian homes is expected to go higher because of the pandemic this year. Every year in America, 70% of pastors experience depression. 71% of pastors say they're burned out. Many so deeply as to the point of suicide. I don't want to overstate the matter but uh, by calling it an epidemic, but suicide among pastors, pastors' wives, and pastors' children in America has gone up exponentially this year. It, if you want to know more about that and why, we can talk privately. But that's just the fact of the matter. Only 24% of Americans believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God. We believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible is just the inspired Word of God. I believe the Bible is the inspired literal Word of God. There's a big difference. It's estimated that since the great shutdown of churches in America in March of 2020, that at least 32% of pre-pandemic churchgoers 
have not only stopped going to church, but have stopped watching church online as well. What that means is the church in America since March of this year has lost one-third of its attenders, of its faithful church attenders. 50% of millennials ages 24 to 39 are in that group. We've lost half of the 20s and 30-somethings from church this year. 35% of Gen Xers, which are 40 to 55, and 28% of my generation, the baby boomers, 56 to 74. 64% of 18 to 25-year-olds, 65, 64% uh, of 18 to 25-year-olds, 64% of 18 to 25-year-olds have dropped out of church this year. So if you're, if you're keeping score here, ages 38 and under, the church has lost between 50 and 64% of the next generation in less than six months. Only 10% of 20-somethings who claim, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I jumped ahead, hang on. 59% of 18 to 25-year-olds the reason they drop out of church, first of all, they say, 59% of them say, church is not relevant to me personally because, you know, it is all about us, right? It's not relevant to me personally. 48% say I can find God anywhere. And 28% say that I can teach myself what I need to know. By the way, all three of those statements are completely anti-Scripture. They're completely against what the Word of God has to say on the matter. Go back to only 10% of Americans believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God. Only 10% of 20-somethings who claim faith in Jesus can be described as resilient disciples. And what a resilient disciple is, it's someone who is born again, believes in the Bible, and desires to share their faith. 10%. And here's one that I thought was especially relevant for today because we have missionaries in our presence. 47% of practicing millennials, practicing Christian millennials, those are evangelical Christians ages 25 to 38 in America today. 47% say that, <laughs> I can't even say this without getting frustrated, say that evangelism is wrong. And many claim that it is unethical. Seriously, 47% of millennials in America, active evangelical millennials in America today, say that evangelism is wrong and the way it's been practiced is unethical. How's that feel? Can I just share something with you, millennials? Evangelism is the heartbeat of God. Amen. Yeah. That's what we're here for. We're not here for social justice. Right. We're not here to elect whoever you want in November. We're here to tell people about Jesus Christ. We're here to live our lives in such a way that we show the love, grace, and mercy of the great creator and savior of this world and tell people there is a better way than fear. There is a better way than frustration. There is a better way than working to win 
the election in November, and that better way is Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand that, then you need to forget everything you're, know, you're learning right now and get back to your Bible, because your problem is your spiritual roadkill. You see, I told you, this is a light topic about a serious, serious issue. I'll say this as well to pastors in America, maybe you're watching, I don't know. When you replaced entertainment and smoke machines for the Word of God, you did this. You did this. When you became a self-help guru rather than a pro proclaimer of truth, you did this. Because you were more, more interested in having a big crowd and wearing $900 Nike sneakers on the platform than you were about reaching people with the truth of the gospel and building up disciples. And now when... Ask, ask a man who knows, ask a woman who knows. America, although these, you know, we could cry about our civil rights, we could cry about the Constitution all we want, and you might have a valid argument. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you leave America, look at what they were doing in China, man. They were using drones to make sure people were staying in their homes. And if they left their home, there was a place they put them that they couldn't leave. So, if this light affliction, as the Bible calls it, and I'm a, listen, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool American, served in the military, veteran, all that good stuff, and I don't like it. But the fact of the matter is, this is nothing compared to the way the rest of the world has it. And if this is what is going to stop us from pursuing Jesus Christ, then we're roadkill. And we have got to get back to what matters to our, our faith and to our life. Spiritual roadkill is a problem, and it's depleting our numbers daily. If we don't stop the bleeding soon, and I mean very soon, the church will be overrun by false teachers. The next generation will find other ways to occupy their time and something else to believe in, and the influence of the church on our society and culture will simply be an afterthought. In short, we will become like Europe a land in need of missionaries to help it find its way back to God. While driving through Missouri one fall, I noticed the enormous amount of dead animals on the side of the road. Enormous amount of dead animals. And in my twisted mind with too much time to think on that long drive, I started thinking, man, that would be a really cool series, sermon series. Don't ask me why, it's just the way it came out. And so I prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit led me to develop this series on roadkill. It's about the dangers of the road ahead and how to avoid being, becoming roadkill like the animals that we see. What we're going to be doing is examining these animals and examining <laughs> what they do and their choices and their... their uh, their decisions to leave safety and to cross a road over and over and over again. Their family, their relatives do the same thing. It's a generational problem with animals. And we're going to examine it and we're going to try to find one, maybe two fatal flaws in each animal, like such as the squirrel. Um, Talking about the squirrel, we're going to be 
and I'm, I'm going to give an adjective to each one. The squirrel is the indecisive squirrel. Because if you've ever had a squirrel run out in front of you in the road, you know that the squirrel will run out in the road and then hear a car or see a car and will stop and will turn around and run back. But if there's somebody riding a bike on the sideway, it'll turn around and just keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you, go, you run over and you just hope. Or anybody, I don't know if you want to, if you want to, PETA can't see you through the, the, the uh, camera. So anybody try to avoid running over a squirrel but run over it anyway because it ran right underneath it? Yes, yes, the indecisive squirrel. They can't decide which way they want to go. And that's what we're going to be talking about. We'll be talking about different animals and why they do what they do. A deer freezes in the headlights. That's true. They just stop. And we're going to be making spiritual applications from those. Because, folks, right now, we're seeing Christians over and over and over again become roadkill in their faith. If we don't learn to change our behavior, then we will become roadkill. Hebrews 12:1 reminds us of this when it says, Therefore, since we have also such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And not just to be, uh, we're not just to be reminded of them, but we're to learn from them. The Hall of Faith is not just a museum to go and view the lives of great, great saints of the faith. The Hall of Faith is a chapter in the book of Hebrews to read about and to read about these, these individuals who, who knew what it meant to suffer torment, who knew what it meant to suffer real persecution. Even in the face of it, they stood for what they believed in. Well, my thesis statement for this series is this. Road kills are witnesses to us of the dangers of making foolish mistakes, of the dangers of arrogance and neglect, the fatal fall, flaw of inattention to the details of our walk with Jesus. We have the opportunity to learn from their mistakes and become better followers of Jesus because of them. And I believe that. And I, I realize this is kind of a, a, a light topic. And, and, and it, it's that way. Uh, Jamie Ragel, an evangelist, used to say uh, humor was Novocaine for what God was trying to say to you. So he'd use humor to get, his, to get a point across. And that's what we're doing with this. Because I think it's a very, uh, very um, vivid way of understanding that the mistakes we're making in our lives, the inattention we're giving to the details right now. I mean, ask yourself the question. You don't have to raise your hands for this. How often are you reading your Bible on a daily basis now? We know how often people are going to church. How many excuses, do you have more excuses to not go to church now than reasons to go to church? How many times have you shared your faith with someone during this time? How many times have you been light in darkness? Oh, but we can't do that. You can. You can. COVID-19 doesn't stop the gospel. You stop the gospel. You stop it when you refuse to share your faith because of the fear that you have. Let me make this very blunt and very bold statement. 
There is no excuse for any follower of Jesus to become roadkill in this life. There's no excuse. No excuse at all. Why? Because the Bible literally is filled with verses that teach us principles that if we put them into practice, will guard and protect us from being run over. It's all in our actions and our desires. Consider some of these verses, Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give you counsel. Now, now it's kind of silly, to be honest with you, to put signs up for the animals to read because, I mean, Dr. Doolittle's a fable, right? It's a story. Animals can't read. But at least those people that put those signs up are taking action to try to change the situation. God is giving us instruction. He's given us his book. He's given us his word. And if we will listen to him and allow him to teach us from his word what he wants us to know, he will show us the way to go. Philippians 4 verse 9 says, Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Help each other out. Stand up for each other. Listen to those who are set over you as pastors and teachers. Listen to missionaries who say, in this time, we can still make a difference. This is not a time to be roadkill. This is not a time to give up on your faith. What are you going to do? Wait until the vaccine is here and then pick up your faith again? It doesn't work that way. What you're doing right now, folks, and I'm, I'm speaking directly to people who are, who are not coming to church just because they don't want to, because it's more convenient to watch it live on, on, on a screen in ho at home in your jammies with your coffee. Okay? What you're doing right now is developing destructive habits that will spill over to your life afterward. If you think that you're just going to be able to pick all this up after this is over and get right back to where you were, you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong. If you don't have the courage of your convictions now, you will not have it then. You are, be, you are making yourself prime candidate to be roadkill right now. And I'm not talking about people that have uh, health issues and people that, that can't be here for, for, for vital, true reasons. But those of you who are just laying out of church because it's easier to be home, you're developing destructive habits that will carry over after this is done. You don't believe me? Talk to an older Christian who has ministered for years to others. Ask them if you're developing healthy habits. Screw up the courage inside you, 38-year-old and under, who think you know it all. Talk to some of us who have, who have walked this road and know and see shipwrecked lives along our path. And ask us if you're doing the right thing. Listen, I'm 57. Go beyond me. Talk to people older than me. And I'll guarantee you they'll tell you to a person, you're putting yourself in danger right now. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord, right now you're fearing a virus. And we can debate the numbers if you want. I, I'm, I believe it's out there. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But I've, 
I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it. I believe people say, oh, you're going to trust God to protect you. Let me, let me define this for you. I'm not trusting God to protect me from the virus. I'm trusting God to do his will in my life. And if it's God's plan for me to die from COVID-19, then I will die from COVID-19 because that's God's plan for my life. Well, that's awfully simplistic. Exactly. Exactly. Because I believe and trust that God is in control and that he is going to do what he calls me to do and he's going to do what is best in my life. We, we came through, you know, I'd, I'll go back to it, the time with Aaron and I'll tell you, I felt such a peace when Aaron was in the hospital, when I started getting reports back and we had so many people praying and so many people messaging me and putting it on the Facebook feeds that they were praying for Aaron and my prayer group is praying, my church is praying for Aaron. People from around the world because I have missionaries as friends were praying for Aaron. There was such a peace that came over me that it wasn't in the doctor's hands anymore. That God was going to have his way in Aaron's life no matter what that Aaron's health was in God's hands. And if she lived, it was to his glory. And if she died, it was to his glory. Now, you may think that's, that's, uh, that's unfeeling and uncaring to say about your wife, but it's not. My, the passion of our marriage and the passion of our hearts is that Jesus Christ be glorified. And Paul said, if he's glorified by my life, great. If he's glorified by my death, great. Trust God during these times and stop giving fear a voice in your life. Psalm 25, 5 says, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I will wait for you all day long. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30, Jesus tells us, Take my yoke. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So my, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <laughs> Seriously, I would ask you how, many, how much prayer, truly, honestly, how much prayer have you put into the decisions that you've made spiritually during this time? And I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm talking about all the decisions that you've made? Have you truly sought God about what he wants you to do? Have you truly sought God for his direction in your life during this pandemic? Last verse I'll share is Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, plus blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. That's what this series is all about. Choosing life, making a choice. You have spiritually the choice in front of you between being a living, live, active Christian or being a dead roadkill Christian. What's your choice going to be? Are you going to choose life so that you and your children can survive this and move on and, and, and when you come out, when we come out of this, be that much stronger in your faith or are you going to be roadkill? So... I hope that you'll join me on this trip down the highway. I hope that you'll join me as I bring this series to you about these animals and their fatal flaws, because I think there's a lot to learn. 
So let's learn some lessons together. Let's build up some protective habits and behaviors and barriers. Let's tear down some strongholds and build up some protective barriers between us and Satan and allow God to be our strength and allow God to give us the wisdom to make the choices we need to make today so that we can survive and thrive as followers of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for the Alsop family and, and their sharing their ministry with us today. God, I pray that you'll burden our hearts during this time, Lord, these difficult times. I don't want to make light of them, Lord. They're very difficult, difficult times. But I pray that during this time, you'll burden our hearts to know that we can make a difference in this world even when Satan is running amok. God, give us courage. And I know there are people that, that heard that, that some of the things I said in that, ser in that sermon, Lord, and it offended them. And I pray that you will, you will take that offense and turn it into questioning and prayer so that they will ask those difficult questions. Are they making the right choices? And Father, I pray that you will give us wisdom and, and a, a right mind to make the choices we need to make. Father, I pray that you'll bless us as we go from this place. Thank you for those who are here this morning. Thank you for those who've been watching us. And I pray, Father, that as we go from this place today, we will go forward as worshipers and servants of yours. Bless us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. And just before you leave, if you're here live and you want to financially support us, there's an offering plate back in the back. You can leave your tithes and offerings if you want any gifts.